right. Hopefully, uh, we'll give everyone a few moments to come in. Sorry, I'm running just a few seconds late here. Guess I kind of forgot what to do. It's been so long. Hope everyone's having a great day today. Um, I am going to, uh, there's Mitchell, Mitchell's on, he was on, he was, looks like he's driving down the road, beautiful sunny day in Iowa. Um, we'll go ahead and get, get started here. Um, how's everybody doing? Hey, hey, thanks, thanks, Bryce, I'm glad to be back. I just want to, I want to talk a little bit about, um, the busy schedule we've had and, and I'm going to I'm going to continue to do these like I, I've done all the other ones. I'm going to ask myself uh, what's on my mind right now. And it uh, hi, Claudia, I need to give you a call. Um, don't let me forget that. I'll call you. Uh, I'll call you tomorrow. Um, but I'm going I'm to go ahead and do this like I've done every other one. You know, Rick, what's on your mind right now? Um, you know, it's still Ukraine. Uh, it's the terrible um, pillaging that's taking place there. I can't. I could not imagine living there right now and trying to function and and doing anything. And uh, we've got. I've got two of my very good friends on this evening going to pop in. Lauren Steinlage and Mitchell Horror are going to come in in a little bit. But Lauren uh, did a beautiful thing a couple of weeks ago. Now I think it was. Uh, he did a, a podcast with some Ukrainian folks, and um, it's great that that we have people here that are willing to keep those connections alive, and that way the rest of us who aren't really in the know we can kind of stay in step with what's happening over there. And it's just it's just terrible. And I think about that, and the other thing that I think about is. It wasn't very long ago this winter. I was hearing stories of cash rent in the Midwest at six hundred dollars plus now, and and I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself, input prices are are at all time highs, cash rent is at six hundred dollars. Now this isn't everywhere, but it is happening in some places. How in the world? is a young person supposed to get started in this farming um, sector? I don't know how they can do this without help from somebody to get them there. I mean, I think about uh, my own family. Rachel's on the farm. Eric's on the farm. Jessica's uh, married to a wonderful gentleman, Michael Strasberger. They're on their family farm. How, how are these folks going to be able to do anything unless they've got somebody's help. And, and I just think about this a lot because things are so backwards right now. It is so hard to try and think about how we can pay bills off of 500 acres. I mean, fa families used to do this. They used to live and pay bills and send their kids to school on 500 acres. You can't even dream of doing that now. So those are the things that I'm thinking about um and a lot of other things but those are the two i'm going to start with so all right giddy up let's go it's q a with rick who is anybody out there got a question that they would like to start with because if not i will go into something of my own here 
I'm going to take a drink of water, see if it's question shows up. All right. No questions. So I'm going to go. I had somebody uh, direct message me. Uh, how's the weather in our area? It's it's cool. Uh, it's finally dried out, probably enough to get in the field. I still think it's a little too early. We are planting alfalfa right now. We're no-till drilling alfalfa, and the conditions are okay for that. It's still not what I really like, but uh, I think for the alfalfa, we'll be fine. And we got a we got a quarter of an inch of rain coming tonight and tomorrow, so I think we'll be okay. Um, Hayden, do you mind telling me where you are from, please? That, that I like to know where people are, are, are talking to me from. Yes, I will talk about the bioreactor, David, I will. Um, Northeast Arkansas. All right, very good, very good. Um, well, I want to talk about something different first. I had someone direct message me a couple days ago, and they wanted to know about this... Um, uh, Bucyrus, Kansas. Okay, thanks, Hayden. Boy, you guys are probably dry uh, in Bucyrus. I hope everything turns out okay for you guys this year. Um, a gentleman uh, direct messaged me a couple days ago, wanted to know about epigenetics and where where did we get our seeds from, and kind of go through that process. There is an or, or there is a a division of the USDA that houses every seed known to man and woman. And you can log on to their database and get to their uh, menu and you can look up any seed there is. You could look up wheat varieties, you could look up soybeans, you can look up um, uh, canola, whatever you want. And they have all these seeds available. And and go ahead and keep piling questions in, folks. I'll I'll come back to them. But let me let me finish this story here. Um, so what we did was, and I've been very open about this. We went and we did uh, Asgro genetics. Now the only reason why I picked Asgro is because that's the that's the bean that I grew up with. That's the bean that my dad had, and he grew it. And I thought, you know what, the Asgros were always good to us in the past. I want to go genetics that are off patent. I got to say, I'm going to say this again, off patent, because folks, to be legal here, we have to be off patent. And that means anything, because again, let's, let's go over this. Let's go over the rules. We all know that you cannot bin run or, or I, that's the term I use, or, or plant beans from your own bin, whatever you want to call it. We all know you cannot do GMO because the traits are patented. We know that. But I think what most people get hung up on is the non-GMOs, you cannot do this either because they figured out that, yes, there were no traits, but we're going to patent the genetics. So now that locks them up for another 20 years. So you have to go back in time to where these genetics have come off patent. And that's what we did. So, and I could not believe that one of the varieties that was there was one of our favorite varieties, Asgrow 3127. I'll bet Lawrence planted those, and I'll bet Mitchell's dad has probably planted those. It was a bean that went everywhere in the Midwest. It was available, so that was the basis for our foundation. Now, what we did was, the first thing we did was we planted, so you're going to get 50 seeds, okay? 
and you're going to hand plant these out and then you're going to harvest these 50 plants and you're going by hand and then you're going to then plant that, those seeds again and then you're going to harvest that and then after that harvest you hope you have enough to put in your planter and maybe plant a couple of acres so then 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 you harvest that and now you are ready to go to the field with full full amounts and and then you can start this line now something that i did here that's probably a little bit out of the norm is um i think i think i've froze lord am i still am i still coming through on the audio side audio is good but you've been froze for a while yeah i've been froze for quite some time so this is just going to be an audio thank you um so the the thing that i decided to do at the end of the day here when we were ready to harvest these beans i decided you know what i don't know what bean is going to work the best in our situation so we are going to co-mingle all of these beans together and that's what we did and so we have now created a land race and now what we're going to do is i'm going back to the usda their pool of of seed and we are going to uh, do this again and i'm going to now do a group two only and i'm going to do a group three only and we're going to do a a high protein clear highlight so we're going to come out with three more uh, varieties of soybeans and we are going to uh, grow grow these out and we're going to we're going to in, in three to four years we're going to have three more lines of legally owned soybeans that the genetics are 20 to 25 years old so it's it's going to be really good um i am going to see if uh, you know what i hey lauren are you can you still hear me loud and clear okay lauren would you uh would you mind jumping on and filling in some time here for me because i am going to log off and try to come on to a different network server so that i can get get some audio going here so folks we got lauren steinloggy and i'm going to come back to these questions just bear with me i'll jump in on josh nelson's why we're while you're gone here so okay but, great thank but, you uh, no thank, thank thanks rick for having me jump on here tonight but uh for those of you that don't know me i farm up here in northeast Iowa. i've been a good friend of rick's here for quite a while now and uh back to josh's question there about the uh andros and stuff like that i guess what's your thoughts and thinking there because i mean if you're not creating compaction you shouldn't really have to change a whole lot. You know, in, in our past experience, you know, if we have cover crop in there and that, my, my theory has always been that a live root doesn't compact soil or doesn't allow the compaction. And even if the root dies, then it's gradually going to decay and open the pores back up naturally. You know, that's, that's one of the beauties of the living root in the soil there. And, uh, you know, it's building that whole system came from manure application this fall do you have a cover crop on it or 
chat keeps disappearing on me there, but uh, I mean, that, that, that would yeah, be that's, localized things you're going to have to address. Yeah. You there, Mitchell? Is that you trying to chime in? Yeah. So on Josh's stuff, yeah, he's got his serial right. I think it's going to have to be, we are going to compact this stuff down if we're out there when the conditions are the right, especially really heavy cause for some of that but it's keep to the living roots like lauren's talking whether that be a heavier rate of rye on the edges or double plant it some of those kind of things can be a good way to be able to help that out make sure you have enough roots because you might do manure or driving from so i like to just keep the rate a little bit higher on those end rows if we have to yep yeah, I would, I would wholeheartedly agree. And if you could somehow figure out how to get the rye out there earlier on your end rows and stuff like that. So, you know, pre-manure application, get them roots in there and going. You back, Rick? Yes, I am back. Thanks, guys. But I don't have the chat. Uh, for some reason, it's not populated. Yeah, when you, when you logged off, it probably probably you clear cleared your chat there but uh yeah mine, mine keeps popping disappearing too but uh would annual ryegrass be better definitely i mean annual well, ryegrass will put three to four times think, the roots on what's the question do you think you can get it to overwinter do you think you can get annual ride to overwinter in north central iowa uh, we we've had it the biggest thing biggest key to getting annual ryegrass to survive is number one get it out there as early as possible and then number two really yeah. yeah number two you know leave the residue as much residue to stand so you can get some you know in northern iowa he should have snow cover and all that yeah well and i mean then, i've definitely know, got they're, they're, it so, I've you're had also going to want the more northern varieties but, yeah that's true what was the question Ron? Started out with compaction on the end rows when he's planting, and then uh, he's got hog manure on there, so you've got a little more compaction. And then mm -hmm. uh, we talked higher rates of cereal rye, but then he asked about annual ryegrass. Yeah, annual ryegrass would be a great. Uh, I would have said the same thing, but again, you got to get it. You got to get it started early. Uh, you probably need to follow a cereal grain and get it. I mean, from where you are, and then there's a. Dave Fisher just came on. A lady in, in UP, Michigan, grows annual ryegrass. So you can do it, but you got to give it the time in the growing season to get established and then be able to survive the winter. But in southern Illinois, they have a terrible thing down there called a fragipan, and it's about 18 inches deep. It's down about 18 inches, and then down from there, it's six inches thick. And the only thing that can go through that is annual ryegrass roots. So, yes. That is a very good choice. But now always remember, Josh, what is your termination method here? Because sometimes annual ryegrass is extremely hard to terminate mechanically. It's almost impossible mechanically. So if you're still using some chemistry, I would be all about it. And, yeah, and the, the key, key on chemistry would be you want to wait uh, three nights over 50. Yeah, so like the like these frost events we've been having every night here, you know, you'd want to be waiting. You want that plant actively growing before you try to terminate. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Don't let it go too too tall in the fall. That is correct. That is exactly right, Dave. But 
And also, I would probably, again, what's your termination method, but I would also add some uh, some rape to that uh, and some radish. And those those com that combination should get you some pretty good uh, roots down, drilling deep into the profile. Um, there, there was another question I'd lost on the when I when I logged out. Um, what what was it? Uh, the, I think well, the first one was about the non-GMO seeds at the uh, warehouse you were talking. Yeah. One thing I was going to add on that, if you want to ever see a public place, we have in Decorah, Iowa, seed savers, where they do the seed propagation. So my question back to you, Rick, was going to be this seed bank you're talking about. Do they have a place where they're propagating them seeds all the time? I'm assuming that as they run low, yes, they need to get somebody to grow and re re up the ante on the population. Yes, I you know I think we would be shocked at how many people are contacting this facility. There's one. It's right over in Champaign. There's one right over in Champaign, Illinois. You can go right over there, and they can hand you the seed after you pay for it right there. Um, and it just depends on how far you want to take this and how quick you want to take this, but. You know, you could grow them out in in um, right now would be a great time to start because it's coming into our spring. So we could grow out the first wave here. Then if you wanted to, you could send them to South America and have somebody down there grow them out if you wanted to do that and then bring that back to you again next spring. And you could take one whole growing season out, you know, add one whole growing season to the equation. But. You know, if you want to continue to propagate these on your system, then you probably want to do it on on your your farm, and and that's what I love about this. And and guys, we're doing everything. We're doing cereal rye. We're doing uh, wheat, uh, barley, um, livestock. Uh, my wife Carol has uh, got a, a thirty uh, U sheep herd which is about ready to quadruple in size here her her birth rate average is a little over two right now but um uh she is selecting her ram from the babies that are born of this year's crop so that she's not introducing any outside genetics into the pool and once you get the the phenotype that you want then you hope that you don't introduce anything and you don't bring in diseases and and all these other bad things and and you then get your herd to go that's now adapting to what what carol wants to do with them i mean she's she's doing adaptive grazing she's a rotating paddocks and she's doing all those things and right now we're only practicing this on on permanent pasture but ultimately, one day, I would like to have enough sheep to go out and graze across the uh, across some of the acres of the farm. So, uh, Bryce, are you going to register that seed under your own name? Uh, Bryce, you're about the 20th person that asked me when any of this seed's going to be available for sale. I, I never thought it would be this popular. I guess I'm going to have to do that. Um, what do you want to call it, Bryce? You want to call it like Brand X? How about that? Brand X? No, my Carol's shaking her head. No, what are you? What's wrong with that guy? Well, okay, Carol, what would be a name you'd quickly come up with for a seed company? Farm Green. Farm Green. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we need to work on that, Bryce, because 
I, I'm really seeing that so far, I'm, I'm early in this now, we're only in year four in this, but I am really seeing good plant health, I'm seeing good viability, and I'm seeing the, the types of things that we used to see with our soybeans many years ago before we had all of the fertility and all of the chemistry that we have. So this is exactly the way we farm now, and I really have high, high hopes for this. So yes, Bryce, I think one day we will register, we, we, we will register this. Um, let's see, Claudia, sad all the ways a farm has to go to get good seed and organic seed to get our food healthy. And yeah, I know, but I think it's, I think there's something to this. I mean, Lauren raises a lot of ancient grains and those genetics are many, many years old. He raises open pollinator corn. I'm, a, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that open pollinator corn genetic is probably a thousand years old, maybe more. So uh, there's a lot to be said about uh, these older genetics. And there's even more to be said about the newer genetics are losing their ability to adapt to these types of systems. So, you know, Lauren, how many, um, how many uh, um, different beers do you have now? Your grain is going into, I know of at least two, is it more than that? Oh, eight and nine will be debuted in June. Eight and nine varieties of beer now with, with grain from Lauren's farm. That's, that's, that's outrageous. And that, that's, that's a huge, a huge, pat on the back to say, Lauren, thank you for everything you've done because they, they've, they've sought him out. So it sounds like a party to me is what it sounds like. Sounds like a what? It sounds like a party to me. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, we got a couple questions piling up here, but I want to get to Mitchell. Mitchell, thanks for joining us. Um, Hey, Mitchell, you've got a lot. You've got a lot on your plate. Would you please give us, you know, five, 10 minute rundown of what is going on in in continuum continuum ag's world right now? Yeah. Well, on the farm is up to number one. I'm our family farms in southeast Iowa and uh, we're planting corn here today. A lot of planters running uh, in southeast Iowa. They are really, really rolling. Uh, and um so we're sitting pretty good planting into cereal rye um, on our corn and our soybeans here this year. And uh, we'll be patient, let this stuff keep going and uh, terminate later after uh, after planting here. Stuff with Continuum Ag is going bonkers. We've got to hire a bunch of people. We need, we're building some software stuff. Carbon intensity is something I think is really interesting. We're talking a lot about it. Yeah. And uh, just this data, that's what it boils down to, Rick. I mean, the data, the things that these folks on the call are doing, we've got to be able to document this. And uh, it needs to be, you need to make sure that you know what you've got and you're able to utilize it. And um, now, that stuff is becoming really real. Uh, the people are catching on to what we're trying to do here, you know, yeah. and what all the folks that are listening and this whole message is making progress. That's great. Now, let me, let me stop you real quick here, Mitchell. You said you need help. So tell me where, what yeah. part of your business do you need help? And then would you take interns or do you want people that are yeah. ready to go? I need, I need more so full-time like agronomists is what I really need. So I need some salespeople. Um, I think I've mostly got that sorted, but agronomists. I mean, the big thing that I think that we can help with in this is the handholding 
and the taking the stuff that we're talking about here on the on the show and how do you go and implement it on the farm yeah. we gotta have more folks that understand how to actually help with the day-to-day handholding and um and we want to be able to really just consult the consultants get more agronomists on help with the data processes here help to get those local agronomists and the farmers get them the support that they need um so i need a lot of those customer success and agronomy type of folks i've got so darn many interns in uh for the summer i think i'm gonna have like six interns this summer rick i got interns coming out of my ears but um which is great we've been able to utilize interns a lot but um now mitchell what's your what is i know you're uh um isu graduate so are i know you don't care where the interns come from but do you have a path coming out of isu to help mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay yep yep so iowa state um nebraska chatted with a guy today out of wisconsin i mean a, a lot of this i mean we're we're midwest row crop you know and then dealing with very conventional farms so um you know that's typically where we angle we're exploring things in specialty crop and in in uh, different parts of the world we do have projects all over the place but the, yeah. but the bulk of uh of you know us on the call here like we're still talking midwest row crop for the most part and that's where we can make the big uh make the biggest quickest impact and that's where we've primarily focused yeah so tell tell us tell us more about real quick about you know your thoughts on this carbon um intensity where, where, who are where do you think you need to to focus your time right now yeah the biggest thing in the shift in the carbon space is instead of selling your carbon over here and your grain over here it's wow. sell the carbon and the grain together that's wow. what it boils down to it's called scope three reductions and in carbon insetting and uh, and it won't just be carbon it's gonna be biodiversity and nutrient density and water and everything and it's this story here so my my key thing is just document everything that you're doing and uh and know what you've got know what it's worth to the next person in the chain and um make sure that you're telling the right story about your family yeah. farm yeah and and folks as you as you know i don't sell anything i i try to give out information that i think will be helpful to you and this is this here it comes right now <sighs> topsoil has a platform that every farm in the in the world should be on it is a is a platform that encrypts your your information no one else is going to see it mitchell never sells your data to anybody he's always looking out for the interest of the farmer or the landowner whichever the case or sometimes it's the same person and and the thing about this that that we've got to understand is what he's just said here four times we have to start figuring out how to collect this data and keep it stored so when the day comes that you can uh, really ring the cash register i mean folks i'm not going to mention any names here but there are people out there that are trying to get you to hook for five or ten or fifteen dollars an acre folks we're talking about hundreds of dollars an acre here potential yeah so don't go into something yet that that's that's not not known yet so just or or some of it it's okay to get paid what you can get paid today like do it do what's right for your family farm that's great um it's just that as this stuff continues to evolve and scale it's going to become even more important even more high dollar and uh and and they want this stuff that you talk about rick they want this type of an approach is what's going to make the data valuable 
Yeah. I mean, Mitchell, the first thing I would do is, okay, first of all, let me ask you a question. If I went, it's free for me to go to your website and look around. Yeah, yeah. When do yeah. I start to need to pay? I mean, could I get a carbon intensity score for free from you? Your no, website? we charge $500 for that. $500. $500. Yep, 500 bucks. And and you could get a carbon intensity okay. score and it's done on a field by field basis, right? Nope, that's crop by crop. So at the beginning, you got crop a corn CI, you got a soybean CI. If you want it field by field, that's where our actual core business model ties in $5 per acre. Okay. And that's your regen but roadmap. That's the regen roadmap. That's the core thing that we do is helping to document all that for $5 per acre. But the key thing for all this, it's not supposed to be a, you know, we, this is, it's not a sales pitch. This is more so just guys like no matter where your data is at, just make sure you got your ducks in a row. And yeah. I got to continue to to do it on my farm as well. All of us on like, we've got to make sure that we're really documenting all of these practices every pass across the field all the way down to the fuel that we're using the units of fertilizer the planting date termination dates rates all that stuff is going to be important here and see, uh just trying to help to make that easy because it's going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of work here yeah but what's so beautiful about this everybody is the fact that if you've never done this exercise before now's the time to really see oh my gosh Look what I'm spending on chemistry. Look what I'm spending on on fertility, you know? And now you can start to wake up and and Mitchell, uh, I mean again, I'm not this is not a podcast about selling Mitchell's product here. I'm trying to voice out what's important here. And Mitchell is developing a system that is going to be everything you need to do one-stop shop you go up to his website you upload your boundaries of your farm you you input the data and it's all sitting there and let his people who who build the algorithms crunch all the data and all that's in place so then when you take a load of corn to your local adm elevator you can say hey by the way i'm part of the carbon intensity program and uh, now let's check off and give me some money back for that 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 grain. Yeah, it's just, it's just being able to be in position to be ready for this, and that's really a key thing right now. So much of the stuff continues to evolve, and yeah. it's all going to be driven by data. No matter where these markets go, whether it be you're just going regular organic too, what you've got through. It's a lot of work to document yeah. and to go through your organic verification. It's just that, but for everybody. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, All right. It's well, Mitchell. Thanks. What else? What else is real quick happening? Now you got a baby coming soon. We got a baby coming up. Um, so middle of June, early part of June, we'll have our second kid, and um, so and that's been exciting. Day. We've got our we, we've got our conference going on on June fifth. We're hosting a bunch of webinars ourselves, just trying to keep pushing this whole thing out there. And uh, what's just so cool, I think, from my angle, you know, since the last uh, the last show, you know, before the end of the year is just just the momentum that's in this space, but the momentum for the, on the farmer side of things, I think the yeah. corporations and some of these companies that were really trying to push on this stuff in these other programs that were out there, they've kind of gone quiet. Yeah. They've kind of slowed down. They've kind of gotten quiet. Like they don't really 
they were there's a lot of over promising and under delivering going on and i think farmers are sorting through the riffraff mm-hmm. and um and groups that you know it, the good thing with this regen stuff is like it's real like the gains that we're creating are real and there's a real story to be told here yeah. and uh and companies that are just trying to make a quick buck on it they're getting weeded out um yeah. so i don't know i like where it's going and i like the uh being able to tell our real story and not just check a box and have this be greenwashing. Well, well, thank you, Mitchell. We, uh, believe me, we appreciate all the hard, and I, I know you work hard at this. I mean, you are just buried all the time. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing all this. We appreciate it. It's been good. It's been yeah. good. So right. Rick, Rick on your stuff, maybe I'll, you know, I'll toss a question back. One of the, one of the, pro, you know, if you're ready for a question back on your side, I think maybe a fun, a fun project we can tell the crew about if you want to. We, um, we're doing some of these split sample, looking at one inch increment samples on your farm. I don't know that any other farmers done on here has done one inch increment samples. If, if so, I'll uh, we'll have to have to chat with them. But, but you asked us to come in and do some one inch increment right. split samples. Talk very about that a little bit. What you're way. looking at? Very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah, yeah, nothing but the best here, you know. Well, this is going to be really cool, Mitchell, because we're going to tie in not only the 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 fertility in these one inch increments, but we're also sending it to biomakers, and we're going to get the different biology and at what level is that biology exist within those inch increments, and this is going to be huge. Yeah. It's cool. So, so what we did was we went to a, just a couple of Rick's fields and we pulled soil samples, but we put it in the bag in one inch increments, the zero to one, one to two, two to three. And we send in all these individual samples for every inch of the soil to look at stratification. Yeah. And uh, the results are at the lab right now. We don't have any of the stuff. I'm sure we'll have to talk about it at some point, but super cool to see what's going to happen here with like <laughs> what did lance say when you <laughs> all those surreal... i haven't heard from lance yet <laughs> i haven't heard from lance on uh because we sent him to lance in the region ag lab and uh because we're doing haney samples on every single inch of the soil here this is some oh. pretty intense stuff oh yeah this but explain gonna... i think what's important here rick is explaining to the crew here what some of your thought process is behind this what are you wanting to learn yeah well i'll tell you what got me what got me to think about this with my good friend john kemp john kemp and i have been trying to and and not only john but several people have been trying to figure out why we're having bless you why we're having foxtail problems so bad well i think john is kind of like i am he'll wake up at two in the morning with these with these thoughts and it's like ah okay and and he was thinking that foxtail likes to germinate in the top one inch of soil. And, and typically what happens is your calcium will probably uh, vacate out of that top one inch and head down through that profile. And that's why that environment's created for that foxtail to want to live in. So that got me thinking, okay, let's just take one inch ink, uh, samples down to six. And I probably should have gone on to 12, but we didn't do that. And then we took a composite sample of of zero through six in that same area to compare. And then on top of that, 
we t went to a field, one of the only fields that got tilled last year. We tilled it twice, four inches deep, and I thought, you know what? Let's pull from that field because that kind of takes the stratification concept away because the soil's mixed up. So mm -hmm. it's going to be kind of cool to see the differences between a field that's been no-till for 14 years and a field that was just tilled last year, and both fields haven't had any chemistry or fertility for eight years. So it's going to be really cool to see, first of all, where is the nutrient, where are the nutrients living within this top six inches, mm -hmm. and what are they stratifying? So this is a kind of a, a culmination of several people's ideas as I have these conversations with them. But, but John, I've given what data I have gotten back from uh, Carolyn, I've sent to John and he is in the middle of digesting all of it. So I'd be, I'd be curious to see what he has to say. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, and then I want to get your take on it. I want to get Rick Haney's take on it and Lance Gunderson's take on it. So um, I think it could be helpful to a lot of people here. And what we need to probably do, I mean, but folks, that what? how many samples did we take, Mitchell? We took six, six samples twice is 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 samples is all we took. Yeah, we I mean. Haney, Solvita, and Biomakers, and the bill's about five grand. So it's a lot of stuff. I mean, the lab fee alone, I mean, some of those, I mean, the lab fee alone on some of that, on like these DNA analysis, you're talking a couple hundred dollars. I mean, yeah, it's just the right. lab fees to do so, this. Yeah. We're talking a lot of money. Yeah. But we're going to learn a lot and yeah. it's going to continue to narrow us down into looking at certain I mean, like you, Mitchell, go back Think about when people thought it was a really big deal to go from two and a half acre grid sampling to one acre grid sampling. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing your, your Haney tests on? What's your grid? No, we do 10 acre test? zones. We do 10 acre yeah, zones, 10. but we look at the field right. spatial variability and then we pull samples from throughout to get a good right. analysis of what's going on. Now with all this, so like soil sampling, I mean, you can pull a soil sample right here, another one right here, and they're probably going to be a little bit different. The whole thing here is, the concepts, the trend lines over time and utilizing the right. data as a tool to help to guide decision-making. It is not an absolute science, but the key with this is that's right. it's all consistent at the time that we pulled the sample from the top to the bottom, they're all the exact same. So that's, that's you know, right. it's uh, the numbers could change throughout the year, but at that one moment in time, they're all the same. We're just looking at stratification. So it'd be very consistent. That's right. So. It's going to be cool. This is a tool. Right. Well, Mitchell, thanks. Great. Please yeah. hang with us. Hang with us. Oh, I'm yeah. going to move on to Lauren. And then I got questions. Lauren, tell us about the journey you've been on here the last 12 months. Uh, knee surgeries, uh, a total overhaul. In, you went into the maintenance shop and had an overhaul. Just give us the whole thing, Lauren. Oh, we, we've been on a maintenance breakdown, I guess. I mean, tell everybody by the time this is done we're be the six million dollar man so but uh i guess i'll back up in history as most of you know that i got hit by a semi so every so many years we have to do maintenance and this winter was kind of maintenance year but uh for me 
five years ago, I started, you know, last time we went in for maintenance, I started seeing the handwriting on the wall that the body is probably not going to take this lifestyle much longer. So we started going down a path, you know, I jumped in the manufacturing side. I've enjoyed that. But uh, last summer I started seeing changes happening there. So I kind of put word out that uh, I might be available. And by March 1st, I had uh, 13 or 11 companies that wanted to work with me. And uh, we, I decided early on that, you know, in the future, I want to be able to freelance work with other companies. So we pruned that down to what I would call the top four companies that I enjoy working with. And I, I've generally, I've decided I'm going to let them tell people I'm working with them. But uh, AgVenture Alliance is the first one that come out telling people that I'm working with them now. You know, they announced at their annual meeting that I'm working with them. And uh, this past week, I finally, you know, Ag Launch was kind of my foray into some of that stuff. So yeah. now it's come full circle. Ag Launch, Ag Venture Alliance kind of work together pretty tight. So now I'm working with Ag Launch companies running the farmer trial team and uh, member success so I, I get to reach out and work with a lot of farmers and then you know some of the other companies I'm working with is still on the engineering side I guess what I told my wife back when we decided to make this decision I think we're going to be on the front row seats to the future of agriculture if we play our cards right and uh, I mean if you know me you know the companies I'm probably working with and I mean, what one's a weed termination, one's uh, robotics, stuff like that. That's what I enjoy doing. And, you know, the other day going down, getting a planner going, getting my hands dirty and having a little fun. But uh, yesterday was kind of the really rude awakening that uh, we're on the right path. You know, I, I'm, I'm still actively farming, but uh, that's becoming a very low priority. I'm, I'm changing gears here switching over to a lot of custom work. I'm buying machines and then letting other guys run them. Well, I, I was looking at buying a sprayer yesterday and I called a good friend of mine out in Western Iowa and asked him if he'd look at a sprayer for me. And uh, it's not unusual for him to not to reply, but then I talked to the guy on the sprayer and I said, hey, I, you know, I'm going to have a friend of mine stop and look at the sprayer for me if that's okay. And he's like, oh, you hadn't heard. And uh, he's like, he passed away about a month ago. So it's like, you know, 45 years old, six great little boys. Makes you stop and think, you know. Yeah, yeah. Little, I'm, I'm in the next stage of life. We're in the grandkids and that, but I, I want to be here for the grandkids and that. So as you notice, we're kind of slimming down a little bit. A few other things. We're, we're, we're coming back lean and mean and looking looking for a good time. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Like I said, that, that's that's the short story of what we're all doing right now. But uh, you know, the the fun part for me is we're we're kind of having fun working with some of these companies, and it's neat to really see the forefront of agriculture. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's we've got. Uh, that's awesome, Lauren. I'm I'm so glad that you you're doing this you're you're basically consulting your your knowledge to four different companies and these are four companies that are going to really move this agricultural regen movement and we thank you for being i mean both you guys mitchell your company is for for leading all of that 
and and Lauren, you're now working with four amazing companies, so it's it, we're in good hands, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate uh, it. If if I don't quit saying no, it'll be six companies pretty soon. So, <laughs> well, you better quit saying no. But, I may uh, ask you to come and come and help us. So, so don't. Well, I, I, I think I think I think we already have that arranged. You're coming up and plant my corn, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's how busy I have I am right now with some of the stuff we're doing. I'm I'm focusing on that. Uh, I probably should have been planting corn like my neighbors were, but I'm figuring next week or two it'll probably get good, and we'll we'll get there. It's still but, April. Uh, it's plenty yeah, of time. It, it's you know. But then, you know, like, like I said, you know, I, I love farming, but I know we can do more. And uh, yeah, I know there's, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's not going to be afraid to say, I think we're in for some hard times ahead. And I would, you know, that'd be my advice to the young guys listening here, get your house in order. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we ourselves are sitting very good right now bring it on. But, uh, you know, to me, that's the way we farm is a testament to what, you know, we're ready. And, yeah. uh, totally agree. Lauren, dad is, dad's listening in from, uh, from the tractor cab. He's just about done planting corn. So we can send him up your way. Dad can go plant some corn for you since he's got ours just about done down here. That's good he's to know. Gonna, tell, we don't tell want him to be a know what they, I mean, you're, you haven't used your guest bedroom for a while. So I know. Can, yeah. I haven't. He can probably use bedroom. your, you know, he can use the Mitchell horror room. There we go. Dad can go up there. You help you out. And, uh, if he <laughs> hasn't got enough planting yet, bring it on. I, mean, uh, I, I, made, I made the call the other day, the kid that ran my planter two years ago when I had the first knee surgery. And I wanted to see if he's available to plant my corn again this year. Cause I don't know if I'll be in the planter. So, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think when, when, when your body's hurting, you're probably not going to do your best. So I, I can do a lot more good sitting in the office or making phone calls or going, helping yeah. people, helping people be better operators. That, that's what I'm enjoying. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Well, that's great, guys. Thanks for joining. Please hang, hang with us here, though, because I've, there's some questions coming I'm going to want your opinion on. I'm going to go into David Crowley's, uh, he's asking about a bioreactor. Um, yeah. Uh, Dave, I think this is important. Um, there's some really cool stuff going on out there right now. Um, you know, we've got, we've got uh, Deanna Lazinski up in uh, North Dakota that's doing this uh, indigenous, I think it's IMOS, it's called IMOS. Very cool technology. You've got the Johnson Sioux reactors. They take about a year to um, to finish up. So you've actually got product that you can extract out. Uh, so that takes time. Uh, we have we've we've as most people know by now. I've told you I've been very stubborn on the biology, but we're getting more into it. We've we've located a verma compost company or worm castings, whatever you want to call it. And we've gotten a truckload of their OMRI approved worm castings in, and we've purchased a Hiwassee um, extra, uh, extractor, and we are now extracting the microbes and the nutrients out of the worm castings. Uh, we're probably going to add some of John Kemp's products to that to kind of make our own home brew. And um, I really think this is the future. 
Uh, I think it's been the future for a while. I've just been stubborn to jump on board. Uh, and let me tell you a little bit, let me tell you how deep I'm going on this. Um, I've got a friend, um, his name's Mark Lejeunesse, and he has a company, and he, what he wants you to do, he has a biology company, what he wants you to do is send you soil from your farm, and he wants you to wants you to send him soil from an inherent part of your farm. So somewhere on your farm that you know has not been farmed or messed up by human hands in the last hundred years or whatever, as far back as you can think. And then what he's doing is he's looking at the biology from the inherent soil and he's identifying the genome that's in there. Then he looks at the bio, at the soil that you sent from the fields that you're farming. And he will then and look at that biology, and now he says, okay, and I'm just going to make this sim simplistic here. He's going to say, okay, over here in the inherent soil, you've got 10 species. Over here in your field, you've only got five. I am now going to grow the five that you're missing because I know what they are because your inherent samples tell me that. I will turn on all of my machines back here, my bioreactors, and I will grow this biology for you. And... I will also, since I've counted the biology, you have not only has he identified it, but he's given you a count and he'll say, you know what, you need a little bit more in these other areas as well. So he will now send you the biology that is specific to your farm. Now, to me, I think this is a big deal because I'm not going to say that we can bring in bad biology, but I think we could bring in antagonistic biology. It's just like humans. Not all humans get along. Now, they're not going to go out and kill each other, but they're just not maybe going to get along. And I think the same thing could happen with biology. But if you are truly only bringing biology to your farm that is from your farm, then I think that is a huge plus, and that's why... I also like the Johnson Sioux reactor because that is reactor is being built with material on your farm. Now, I know there's people on here that have biology and there's people that listen to me. I'm not saying that those are bad. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this is a great place to start to identify what biology you have and then start bringing in uh, other sources of biology to help augment your package. So, um, and you know, uh, good news. I got a phone call two days ago from a guy in our area that farms about 50,000 acres. And he wants me to come tomorrow because it's supposed to rain here. And I, he wants to, uh, wants me to explain to him the biology and cover crops and all of these things and how can we get this started on his farm. Now that is a huge success in my opinion for a guy in our area that size. Now Mitchell, wait till I also throw in this carbon intensity part of the equation. He's gonna fall out of his chair. So you may- Show you, him the money, Rick. Show yeah, him you the may money. need to get on, you may need to get in your car uh, and drive great. down and, and we'll hey, have let's a tag team meeting. Let's do it. But no, anyway. I think, but, but what I love about that though, the moral of that is that people are taking notice and it's, yeah. he's not, his farm's not going to look like your farm right no. away. Ain't no. going to happen. 
not going to happen. But if understanding the concepts here, the concepts underneath this of, hey, let's control our input costs. Let's work with Mother Nature, not against her. Let's try to get the baby steps going. Then we get them into the epigenetics and the fine tuning their specific microbial species and rates for their actual native. So like, that's just so beyond like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But just to get these folks on like, Hey, there's some baby step process to this. And guess what? You can make more money doing this. Yeah. You could screw it up at the beginning if you did it wrong, but at least he's coming to get the right advice. So he doesn't screw it up. That's right. That's right. So I'm very, I'm very happy. I've always kind of been down on myself a little bit because there's not very many people in our area that are doing what we're doing. And I felt like it was kind of my responsibility. So that really made my day when I, I, my phone's ringing and I, and I look at the caller ID and I'm like, Whoa, that guy's calling me. And, and that was nice. So yeah. Yeah. I would say there's something in the air on here. Uh, there, there's something in the air on that. Is that right? I mean, I've, I've had the same calls this winter, just mind-blowing. When when all of a sudden, you know, I, I don't know if it's the interest rates or the economy in general, but guys are really feeling that pinch. And Yeah. I think, you know what, guys? I think they're finally, they've always been looking at us from, the, from a distance. I think they finally realized that, you know what? These guys are onto something. And maybe we better try to figure out what it is. And and I'm also going to tell you know I don't talk a lot about this because I don't like to I don't like to talk about myself. But I'm I've been in a position now where I'm going out to D.C. I've got Congress people you know contacting, wanting to know the, there's a big farm bill going to be written this year. They want to get some regen in there. They want cover crops in there. They want no-till in there. They want reduction of inputs in there. So believe me, there's a lot of people paying attention to what's going on. So uh, it's good things are happening and they're going to happen in a hurry. Um, Hayden is coming uh, to us from Eastern Kansas, currently planting beans into boot stage rye. Congratulations. I'm glad your rye is that big and have lots of rye currently growing out in the field. April has been abnormally dry with three quarters of an inch rain received. Warm on the front end of April and now cool on the tail end. 10 day forecast has no chance of rain but 60s and 70s. I hate to terminate the rye at this stage now because of the benefits it brings the as rye matures, but concerned with losing moisture going forward into the season interested to know your opinion. Lauren, what do you think? Um, This is a great question because people are very concerned about what is the rye taking out of the profile in moisture. What do you think? I'd I'd be out there with the shovel and figuring out exactly how much moisture you have. Yeah. I mean, we're we're fortunate enough. We've got moisture sensors in there that we can read, but you don't need them. Just get out there with the shovel and see what it's telling you. You know, if you are worried it's going dry, play it safe. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't look up how far out in Kansas you are, but I mean, if you're on the dry line, you might want to take the rye as a crop. So, yeah. You know, that, that might, you might be money ahead on the rye as a crop this year. You know, if, if this drought keeps moving east, like I'm hearing people talk, see that on your forecast. 
that's an excellent point because that rye crop is already there growing and established. You're going to plant a soybean into this dry environment that may not make anything and you're going to lose the rye crop and the beans could be a 10 or 15 bushel uh, proposition. I totally love that idea. If uh, Hayden, if you've got an opportunity to maybe hedge your bet and take some of your acres to a rye crop, that could be a very good thing. Yes, Bryce would be the expert on dryness. So yeah. I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know what dry is. Like I said, you know, it, it, it's easy for us guys in a wet climate to try to advise you, but, uh, you know, it, it's like yesterday I was consulting with a guy in Texas talking annual ryegrass, and I even talked to the annual ryegrass growers, and they're like, yeah, it should do good here. And the, the guy down in Corpus Christi, Texas is like, no, it's too hot already. It just won't go. And then, you know, but then we start reasoning out what grasses and stuff like that would work. So that, that local knowledge is always going to trump anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I hope, uh, Hey, Ed, Ed Borzwell's on. How you doing, Ed? Uh, producing the seed and microbial diverse soil should be a huge benefit. Totally agree. I think that's why we're doing it. Um, Dave Fisher, a, sorry, Mitchell, he's also looking to hire an agronomist in Southern Indiana, so don't don't go down there. He's going to try to swallow everybody up. Um, let's see, what else we got here? Tony, I'm in North Central Minnesota, and between the snow, cold spring, and huge number of deer eating my rye cover, intended for green plant soybeans has been set way back. I mean, my gosh, you guys have had a brutal winter. It's the winter that would never end up there. Uh, give it more time. Uh, let's see, what do you do with fields that the cover has been consumed? Give it more time or are certain mixes less desirable for wildlife to give yourself a fighting chance? Seems like the people that have started growing covers attract all the wildlife and lose the weed control aspect. Maybe just have to be happy with the soil health growth and stick with chemistry. Well, I know Lauren's chomping at the bit to come in on this one because Lauren, he, he's not a cattleman and he never will be a cattleman. As a matter of fact, he's allergic to him. But Lauren will tell you that he has footprint, hoof prints on his farm and it's with deer, right, Lauren? Oh, deer, turkey, coon, I take credit for all of them. And yeah. I mean, far far as that rye, I wouldn't give up on it yet. I mean, one, yeah. once I don't I don't think the deer can fully get ahead of it. No, I mean, okay. you know, we we've got herds right now of a hundred running out in ours, and you know, it it's it's still coming. But you know, our our biggest challenge is, and I'm right there with you. The frost is, has been horrendous. This went, you know, two days ago, mine was froze white again, and then late afternoon, it's got that white hue yet. You know, you can tell the frost damage and, you know, even alfalfa right now, we were down to 24 degrees here just two days ago. Mm. Yep. My yeah. neighbors in Platinum, and we got snow in the ditch. So Tony, I would, I would totally agree with that. I would not be worried about the wildlife. I'd be worried about mother nature here, but, um, you know, you're going to have you guys up there in the Northern States this year, you're going to have a tough spring. There's no doubt about it. So, um, hedge your bets, um, you know, mitigate risk, whatever you think you need to do to raise a crop this year, um, and then stay with your program and, and attack it again next year. That's all I can suggest because you're, you're going to be in a tough spot. I don't even know if the snow's gone up there yet. 
Um, I, was, I was looking. Do we have Deanna on tonight? No, Deanna's not on tonight. Okay. She could not be on. Okay. I was going to say, you know, when, when we were out at Dave Brant's there, they were talking. They're, they're, you know, it's pretty wild when April, first week in April, you're thinking prevent plant already. You know, I know Fargo, when we were up there the week before that, had uh, three foot of snow. And after we were there, they had another two foot. So that's crazy. You know, the, to me, this year is going to be the year just to get a crop. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You've got to just figure out how to get a crop and then stay with your plan this fall and try it again. That's, yeah, that's the mean, best advice. Like I said, you know, that, that, that's going for the guys out in Western Kansas, Colorado, all that. I mean, I don't know if they'll even have a chance to get one. You know, I feel sorry for the guys out there. You know, that that's, you know, Hey, we're blessed with moisture, but yeah, you know, to me, you know, another, we're, we're going to get down below freezing this weekend again. I mean, it's going to get entertaining here, but you know, for me, we've got a window, we've got moisture and we've got a window so we, we can make it happen. Yeah. Well, we've got Bryce on here tonight and Bryce is out there in Western Kansas, Michael Thompson. I don't know if he's on here tonight, but he's out. I mean, I, I just, oh my gosh. And somebody was on, on, um, social media the other day, maybe it was today. I don't remember all the days run together. They said it was, they had three quarters of an inch rain. It was the first rain they've had in 18 months. Can you imagine going 18 months without any rain? I mean, it, it's crazy. I don't care what kind of system you have working for you. You cannot have resilience and go 18 months with no rain. Every system is going to collapse. So, I take my hats off to those people because every time I talk to them, they're always got a smile on their face and they still have a good attitude. I don't know if I could be that way. So kudos to all the folks in, in dire situations right now. Uh, Mitchell, here's one. Josh, I'm sorry, I can't, I don't know why my chat doesn't give me the whole name. All I see is Josh. Uh, Mitchell, how soon do you see the CI scores coming to food grade crops like oats? or Lauren's OP corn used for tortillas, do you see a potential benefit for local processors to buy low CI ingredients? That's a great question. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and Josh, yeah, I mean, I don't see any major movement in time really soon in terms of like major push towards, uh, towards that being a major metric. But what a guy like Lauren could do is say, hey, you want to be able to market this as, low carbon or carbon negative grain that's used the ci score is one of the ways that he could do it so from a direct to uh it just gives a better metric i've been looking for years at what is my farm's carbon footprint i still don't know exactly what my farm's carbon footprint is but i know my carbon intensity score is negative 4.4 is our preliminary results so hey at least i've got that negative 4.4 so when we are growing corn more slightly carbon negative now that's just from this one tool and i don't think it's robust enough but that's something that drives some real opportunity and uh, that can be marketed and um whether it be an action i don't what i'm getting at is i don't know that when i don't know that there will be a major market and a major business model for that but i think that carbon intensity score is something that could be marketed and uh, in a metric that can be easily garnered yeah. right now. 
Yeah, so totally. if I have Brian plant my corn, will that lower my carbon intensity? <laughs> I think it depends on how much of those beers that you guys drink and how much of that CO2 you burp back out into the atmosphere from that carbonated beer, you know, but other well, than I, that, I yeah. can get carbon free beer. So, I mean, we, we can get yeah. it without CO2. If there we go. But uh, no, I think <laughs> no, no, that, 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 that's some of the stuff I want to, you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued with, with the carbon intensity because you know starting to learn them scores and that is going to be the game changer yeah and yes mitchell is lower than i I am i just like that i i just like in my thesis guys for what i've been harping to these companies and stuff is we need a scoreboard and show us the point system and tie the financial gain to the point system and i know that this will work because today the scoreboard is the yield monitor the point system is bushels and you get paid based yeah. on the bushels and we yeah. drive billions and billions of dollars towards maximizing that number. And it's great. And we got to be able to do that. But now the point, now the scoreboard can be that carbon intensity score, how it yeah. creates points. I saw somebody just put that in chat, Rick, Rick, it factors in a lot of stuff. We're looking at your fuel usage, electrical usage, NPK, yeah. Uh, uh, herbicides, insecticides, your tillage, your cover crop, your manure, your yields. Um, it's county by county at this point. Um, it's pretty holistic that uh, goes into that score. And the key thing that you got to be able to do is make sure that every single one of those line items that you can back it up and you yeah. can verify. Again, that's back to what we started talking about with the data. Um, but what I really like is it encourages that the further you want to take this, the more you can get paid, the more of a, a, or at least the better your score is going to be. And I anticipate that that'll drive your financial opportunity. Yeah. I'm assuming here that again, I can't see all the name. Brian H must be Brian Hora. Well, he'll need to sample those nine beers if, if I have to plant more corn. So, so Lauren, all you got to do is get get a, a a nine pack and you got him. Well, we'll just get him a case of heat. So if he comes and plants, he will not be disappointed. Yeah, he didn't say how much a sample is. He didn't say how much a sample is. A sample of certain beers that are the really good ones, you might need more than just one. Let, let's just yeah. put it this way. Every time I get close to the brewery, the backseat of the pickup gets filled up. Yeah. What's that? What's that called when they bring four or five beers out on a plank? Of, what's that called? Sample platter. A flight. Flight. There you go. Flight. Flight. A flight. They're going to bring you. You're going to have some flights lined up for Brian to to get. That's like putting the carrot out there and getting <laughs> enticed to come out. Yeah. All right. Let's Hope the auto steer is working because uh, I hate crooked rows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like crooked rows either. But the old saying is you can get more more plants in an acre on a crooked row than you can on a straight row. So I don't know. Yeah, we've gave up on a lot of that. I mean, we're we're lowering population, all that good stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Bryce is trying to tell us here it's been really rough out there. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it out there. Let's see. Will that always be changing per crop and also during the growing season? Zero profile in Western Kansas. When in doubt, kill the rye. Yeah, or uh hey bryce have you um have you taken that rye if he's to this if he's to boot stage now i kind of like lauren's idea of of maybe harvesting that rye for grain 
because it's almost there. So uh, give us your thoughts in the chat there on that. Um, Brad is asking, how is your Johnson Sioux reactor? How do you intend to apply to your farm? Yeah, the, 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 the first ones we did are coming due now. Um, and this Hiwassee extractor, again, I don't get anything. I don't, I don't get any money for this, but this thing's pretty cool. It puts the, the compost or whatever it, the, the, the worm castings or your Johnson sewer, whatever the product is, puts it into a chamber and then it's got water jets that hit this chamber and then there's a 400 mesh screen that then only the liquid uh, washes off the biology or the nutrients of whatever the, the uh, compost or extract that you're putting in. And then what's cool about this is when you extract out like this, you get 30 days of shelf life. So at this point, you're not going to add any molasses or, or any humates to this. You are just simply extracting the biology out of this compost, the Johnson Sioux, the Verma compost, whatever the case may be. And now for guys like us that are trying to cover large acres, we can, tomorrow it's going to rain, we'll, we'll go ahead and extract 5,000 gallons of biology and let it sit there. It'll be good for 30 days. We just have to turn our pump on every day, recycle for 20 minutes, and then and then we're ready to go. And then we'll add in the, the appropriate amount of molasses and humates. And now everything is turned on and energized. And when we are going to uh, treat the seed, we're going to in-furrow and we're going to foliar feed. So that's what we're planning on doing with all of the extract are those three things. And I'll, I'll probably the most, the two I'm most excited about are seed treatment and foliar feeding. Uh, depending on how much rain we get, we, we've been so cool here and we're not quite as cool as Lauren has been, but our cover crops still haven't really grown yet. And we've got some acres that are going to be uh, designated wheat and I want to go out and I want to run some test strips of this extracted biology and foliar feed our wheat fields and leave some test strips. I talked to Dave Brandt this morning. He's done the same thing on his farm. He's done some of uh, Deanna Lazinski stuff and he's done some uh, uh, UAN 28%. He told me on the phone this morning on a visual, he could not see a difference from where the biology was put on or the synthetic nitrogen is put on. So the combine will tell the whole story, but that's kind of a big deal when right now you visually cannot cannot see the difference. So uh, this biology is gonna be, it's gonna be the, the way of the future. I'm, I'm just, I'm determined it is. Um, boy, we got all kinds of things piled up here. Um, yeah, here's Bryce again. Yeah, it's rough. We had to stop drilling covers this spring afraid the field would blow away. Oh my gosh, that's insane. 350 days with no rain event over one half of an inch. I, 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 I don't know how you survive that, Bryce. Um, uh, kudos to you for, for hanging in there. Um, it's unbelievable, unbelievable, thank you. Uh, and then yes, Bryce is saying yes, he would take that, so Hayden, Bryce's suggestion, uh, and I think Bryce is west of you. I know he is because you said, hey, you said you were in eastern Kansas. Bryce is out on the western end. 
Um, he, he is saying, take it to grain if, if you're sitting there at that point. Uh, Mitchell, did you answer the uh, what makes up a carbon intensity score? Did we cover? Okay, we covered that good. Um, yeah, yeah, covered that and and uh, responded back. I've got there's I've got some uh, YouTube videos and stuff <laughs> on the Continue Mag YouTube page if people want to see any more on that. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, Elbon Rye could be worth twenty to twenty five dollars a bushel with shortage of supply and market, especially here in Canada. Yeah, I mean that to me is a no brainer. I would come in, I would harvest that rye off, and then I would see what your moisture, if you could somehow get some moisture, I might give green cover, seed a phone call, and see if they could use some, uh, some late uh, cover crops to be planted following that, that harvest of that rye crop. And, or you could build in your cover crop package to get ready for whatever next year's cash crop's gonna be. So I would highly consider if you haven't planted all of those acres, I would probably stop and hedge your bet and harvest some of those acres to grain. I think that would be beneficial. Uh, Paul is saying grazing cereal rye very close. Plan to plant warm season grazing mix in a couple weeks. Will rye need to be terminated or no-till into the rye? Um, where, where are you at, Paul? That's going to kind of help answer the question. And if you're grazing down pretty tight, I don't think the rye is going to be much of a problem with whatever it is you're going to want to plant. Uh, let's see if you tell me where you're at here. Uh, Northeast, Northeast Missouri. Missouri. I think, uh, yeah, I think you'll be just fine. What do you think, Lauren? I, I, I wouldn't get too excited. I mean, it's, if we get the right weather here, the rye is going to pop. So that that's the question. How tall is your rye now? I mean, how, how hard are you going to graze it out? I know there's a group trying to do, you know, we're, we're running an experiment right now to see how hard we can graze, graze covers. So, yeah. I mean, that we're, we're doing that with Rodale and uh, that, that's going to be an interesting one to watch all year. I mean, we got sheep out there right now grazing and you can't see a stitch of green out there. So, I hope we didn't do it already. Yeah. And we've done that. Uh, we've done that, Paul, here. When I know, and, and I, I know if there's some grazing experts that, that come around and see what I'm doing, and I know that's happening, people come and see what we're doing. But if they come at the wrong time, they're going to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing exactly what you're talking about and what Lauren's talking about. We let the herd overgraze it and take it to a point to where you can actually get it to terminate if the if the timing is right and i think you can do that now cereal right uh, lord's right cereal rye will pop back on you but um paul was saying they're eating close every day yeah i i think now you pull the cattle off and come in whatever it is your 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 grazing mix is going to be and who cares if the rye comes back with you uh, it's not going to smother out what you've got. So let, let the big dog eat and, and go out there and, and get your drill out there and start planting into that. Well, That's what I, I mean, another option is, I mean, get it seeded, wait a couple of days, see what the rye does do. And you can always hurry up and flash graze it again. Yeah. Be before yeah, the yeah you can graze it before that. You could, yeah, you could graze it before the covers come up. And also keep in mind, when you run the drill over it, you're going to tear out plenty of rye then, too, and kind of thin out that stand a little bit from that yeah. side. But, yeah, no, I like that idea of being able – you could graze it right before this stuff pops back up if you if you have to as well. 
Yeah, and we've even done that. I mean, in, in northeast Missouri, uh, you've probably got moisture there. We've gone out and broadcasted uh, a cover crop package with the cattle and let them walk it in while they're grazing down that rye. So we've done we've done all kinds of things. We've planted before, we've planted with them, we've planted after them. It just doesn't matter. Um, now, Bryce is bringing up another good point, and I believe the, the gentleman's name was Hayden that's in eastern Kansas. Uh, hate to say it, but could also swath and bale. I mean, you, he's exactly right. You hate to say it, but you've got to look around. What is your opportunity? And feed is going to become a high priority out west. So however you can take advantage of that, I would highly recommend that. If that means to swath it, and, and I know what Bryce is saying, because swathing and baling is total removal of the nutrients, I understand that, but, but it, you're gonna help that guy out west of you, and you're gonna help you at the same time. So uh, always look for opportunities to benefit from. So totally agree, Bryce, totally agree. What else do we need to cover here tonight? It's already moving up almost an hour and a half. Um, we have probably uh, probably gone through enough. And I, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be back. Uh, we were gone for a while, folks. I was just too busy. Uh, Carol and I have been going, I don't know how many places this winter to talk. Uh, it's just been a, a rat race, but that's okay because our message is resonating and people are hearing what we're saying and 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 when you get those phone calls from a 50,000 acre farmer that wants to sit and talk about cover crops things are going the right way so uh it's all for good um uh, so everything's great Rick, you uh, could probably hit on some of those different countries how many different countries did you speak in here over the last couple of months i know it for sure south africa you had south africa you had uh, canada you're somewhere South in Africa Europe and too, Canada, and then, No, I didn't make it there. I was supposed to, but we didn't make it there. Uh, Je Jessica, our oldest daughter, had her second child, and we thought it was a little more important to be home for that than be in England. So we did that. But yeah, South Africa and um, and and Canada, and it's just amazing how many people want our help and and are just bending over backwards to get our help to 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 get these regen practices on their farm. So the future looks very bright. Um, Paul is telling us that the corn along I-70 is pretty much all in. So Lauren, what, what in the world's going on on I-80 then? That 70's done. I, I'm closer to 90 than 80, so. Oh, okay. Mitchell's the resident 80 guy, so. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we're hammering down. We're hammering yeah. down. Um, let's see now, uh, Kenton, if you swath and bale, you don't necessarily have to take it to the dirt. I make grass hay off of pastures and cut it eight to 12 inches to get better regrowth on it. That's a great idea. I might, you know, maybe go down to four or six inches. So, um, and then here's some, Meg is, is sending out, here's a summary of my day in Guelph, Canada. Thank you. So she's got uh, something I did there. Uh, Claudia, uh, you're still on. Uh, please call me tomorrow. Uh, call me in the afternoon tomorrow, Claudia. I'm on Eastern time, as you know. Give me a call. Um, 
and thank you. Yes, we've got three grandchildren now. I tell you, folks, I mean, it, life just changes when you get the grandchildren. You love your children. And we love them to death, but there's something different about the grandchildren. So um, life is good. Uh, everybody, everybody stay patient. I know there's a lot of weather issues around, but please just stay patient. Keep your head up and uh, only go out in those fields when it's right to be out there. I mean, I mean, Bryce, Bryce nailed it. They quit planting cover crops. I mean, he's talking about drilling. He's talking about no-till drilling cover crops. They stopped because they're afraid their fields are going to blow away. They don't do tillage out there, folks. At least he doesn't. A lot of his neighbors do, but he doesn't. And he's worried his fields are going to blow away from uh, no-till drilling. So things are very, very tough. So um, Paul says, uh, great to have you back. Hey, Paul, I'm glad to be back. And and honestly, folks, I don't know yet what the, this year is going to bring. I don't know if we're going to stay with the every week format, but I've kind of got to get people. I mean, it's hard to get people lined up and get all this preparation and still do all the things we're supposed to do. I mean, we are supposed to be farmers here sometime of the year. So um, so bear with us here. We're trying to get a, a flow, but uh, uh, you guys can all go to our website, uh, farmgreen.land. Please give us ideas on people to have on this show. Uh, we haven't had very many farmers and that's probably not, uh, that's not good of me. I need to go out and find farmers that are living this region and we need to start getting some of them on. Uh, I know there's a gentleman in Canada, uh, Mr. Axton, I need to get him on the show. Uh, there's some other folks that, that need to come on as well. Uh, Jay Young would be a good uh, guest. Yep. Uh, so uh, let, let bring in, bring the names to us and, and we'll start, uh, and not only names folks, but if you've got contact information as well, because some of these people, I don't know, they may know who I am, but I don't know who they are. So um, it's all great. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody keep your heads up and uh, we'll uh, probably see you next week. Have a good one. Thanks for Lauren. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks for See you guys.